Uh, well, I'll start, I'll start with this. I, we are um, not including today. We are two weeks out and not including next week because Graham's going to speak whatever the Lord has put on his heart. I've given him that freedom. I just want you to say whatever the Lord is putting on your heart and we'll deal with the consequences. And that can be, that can be a risky proposition with Graham. No, it's, it'll be great. And I'm looking forward to that. But after that, we only have two weeks left in Romans. And it has been a journey. Uh, and it's a journey that will continue. Because living in the tension with Jesus is not a Romans thing. It's an everyday Christian thing. And Romans just happens to be the vehicle we chose to use to uh, identify some of those tensions in our lives. Last week, we went through uh, chapter 15, uh, 17 through 22 or so, uh, around there. And we talked about something that, that Paul exhibits that's very hard for us sometimes is to give praise to the good things that he's doing within our own personal life. And when we say yes to Jesus and he does something profound in us and through us based off his definition of profound, not ours, uh, we want to glorify him for that. And oftentimes I know in my life, what I do is I diminish myself because I don't know how to do that, what Paul has exhibited. When he says, I glory in what Christ Jesus has done through me. I glory in it. That's a good thing. <laughs> but for me to say that, I glory in what Christ has done through me. I just do the, the runoff, trail off sentence because for whatever reason... We have this unhealthy understanding of confidence in Christ. We have this unhealthy understanding of what humility is. Humility is not self-diminishment. Talking bad about yourself or dismissing what God, God has done in you and separating yourself from the equation is not humility. Because Jesus has chosen to partner with us. So when we say yes to his invitation, that's faithfulness. That God has prompted us towards. So we glory in that. We glory in what he's done us. Now, I said last week, I, I'm very hypocritical in this. Now, I thought leading up to that message is when I would be tested with this and put in position where I have to glory in what Jesus is doing in my life and how he's using my life to affect other people. But it was actually this past week, which was awful. <laughs> and I had uh, someone sit with me. And, and have a meeting with me, and I hate that I'm even, God wants me to tell you this, but I'm trying to practice as you are trying to practice. So a testimony of how awkward it was for me was someone that I thought wanted to meet about one thing, a pastor from a different place, wanted to meet with me about another, and it was some of the most awkward two hours of my life, because, and that's, that's exaggeration, of that day. <laughs> and... It's been a lot of awkward <laughs> times in my life. I don't know. That's not Where he basically said, I want what you have. How did you get it? And I thought, what are, you, what are you talking about? And he was talking about what Jesus was doing in my life. And that was hard for me to accept. But I had to glory in how Jesus has caught my attention. And that through my bad decisions and through my good decisions, he still has revealed himself. So I say that to you for you to keep practicing. Because we don't want to diminish in someone's eyes what God is doing in your life. No matter how big or small you may think it is, anything that God does in us and through us is huge. And people are always watching us. It, your kindness, that may just come naturally to you. People watch that and are affected by it. Do you think that's 
you or is that Jesus within you? And that's huge. It may not be necessarily, you know, going cross seas and doing missionary work, but it is something that speaks of the life of God and the, the gentleness and the graciousness and the beauty of God. So when, when that happens and someone comes up to you and says, Laura, you're just kindness. You just gave me a hug. And it just, I, huh. and you go, oh, if you dismiss it and you go, oh, that was, that was nothing. It was. It was huge. And so we have to, as the church, continue to, to brag about Jesus, not yourself, but boast in glory in what he's doing. So that was last week. And that is an important thing for us because the world needs to see the church excited about what God is doing in us and through us. Despite what we may think of ourselves and our bad decisions, how he sees us is different than how we see ourselves. I mean, I, I would hate to, to, to say as a parent, you know, to my kids, when they're doing good things, to just dismiss it and be like, well, you got to be more humble about that. I mean, Jesus really used you. and God is not, <laughs> not going to be like, you know what? Sharon was faithful today. And she said I was good through her. She's getting kind of a big head here. No, he loves it. Because it ministers to people. It's part of your story and your development. And people need to know what transform, being transformed with every increase in glory looks like. And when you glorify God within what, who you are and what you're doing, that helps people see that oh, I too can be transformed. Does this make sense? Because this is important in what we're going to get into today. Because uh, Paul, will see at the end of chapter 15 here, he's gonna, he wants to go back to, he wants to go to Rome. He wants to see this church. But he has to make a stop on the way in Jerusalem to bring a gift. And he's got concerns about it. Now, not anxieties. We're not talking about anxieties. Maybe he was. But he's got concerns. Now, this is the end of a chapter which looks like, it could just be a nice little tie-up for the end. And, but there's something profound that's happening. Is that Paul practices vulnerability. He practices asking for help. He practices invitation. He models it right after saying that he glories in what Christ has done in him. He steps into humility and asks for help. Real humility. Because even though... Jesus has done all these amazing things in him and through him. He still knows he needs the body. He needs people. God makes it clear. We need him first and foremost, and we need each other. Do we not? We need each other. And Paul is going to model this for us. So we're going to start uh, verse 30 here, and we're going to go to the end of uh, chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, which I would encourage you to bring every week, is the word of God. We want to be in the word of God engaging it, wrestling with it. Not just reading it, but wrestling with it. And Paul says this in verse 30 to the church. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I might be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea, and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there, so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. 
The God of peace be with you all. Amen. Let me read verse 30 one more time. And I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle. Ha! That's risky. He's inviting the church to be, join me in my torment or join me in the challenges of my life. Join me in the struggle of the call that I have on my life that is so good, but it's still hard. And this is, he says, this is how you can do this. From where you are, this is how you can join me by praying to God for me. Okay. How many love asking for help? How many find it challenging? Let's be honest with each other. How many find it challenging? How many find it challenging to ask for prayer? Some of us are really good at it. Some of us, not so much. Yeah, I struggle with that. Why might you think that is? Why is it a challenge to ask for prayer, to ask for help? You tell me. You're vulnerable. What's vulnerable about it? It shows a possibility of weakness. What else? Judgment. What if they say no? Rejection. What else? Misunderstanding. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. I hate being misunderstood. That's hard. What else? Anything else? These are great. <laughs> they can hurt you. Yeah. When you ask for help, when you ask for prayer, you are taking off the armor. And you're inviting people to see what's underneath. You're inviting people to see what is bothering you. And we, it's hard to trust sometimes, especially if you bring, brought an invitation in the past and someone has squandered that invitation. Maybe you've been betrayed. Maybe you've been rejected. Maybe you don't think you're worthy of it, of the help. Has anyone felt like that? Why should I ask for prayer and ask for help? I don't deserve it. Now, this seems like a little benediction at the end of chapter 15, but this has huge ramifications because Paul isn't all talk. He models. And the church is called to model. Now, yes, it is a risk to ask for help, but we all need help. And the church is called to help one another and to help the world through Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. We're not called to judge. Correct? And that's one of the biggest stumbling blocks. If I share this or invite them in, <gasps> that judgment piece, and, and that's wrapped with misunderstanding. It's wrapped with misunderstanding because they're going to make a judgment. They don't know the whole story. They just know I'm inviting them to pray for this or I'm asking for help, but they don't know the hours and hours of agony of thinking and praying and talking and this and that. What if I misunderstood? And then what if they say no? They might. They might. Now, I've never in my life, when I've asked someone to pray for me, have ever heard a no. 
Now, that doesn't mean that they prayed for me. But I've never heard a no. But almost if they pray or not is irrelevant at this point, what we're talking about right now. Because it's having the courage to trust Jesus to open yourself up and invite someone to enter your struggle. We're not even, we're not even at their response yet. Just the invitation. How many this week, let's say this week, this past week, had an opportunity to ask for prayer when you needed prayer, but you stepped back? Anybody? Okay. Me too. This, can you see how there's a disconnect? Can you see how we are meant to be praying for one another? Does Scripture not tell us to pray without ceasing? Consciously connected to God is actually what that means. To be consciously connected with him and communicating with him in some way, shape, or form. And it's easier to do that for someone else to invite that in to happen to you. See, I love praying for people, but when I ask them for prayers, that means I have to receive something good. For me personally, that's how I see it. I, someone is going to take time and intentionality to think of me and then surrender me to Jesus. That is sometimes almost too much for me to bear. I want to do that for someone else. God forbid someone does that for me. We cannot just be the people that pray for each other, but also are ones that can receive prayer from one another. Paul is showing, I'm ready to receive it. And guess what? Here's how you can pray for me too. Now that's the thing, is that sometimes we think if we open that door to inviting someone into our struggle, we have to share every detail. No, we don't. We don't. We're simply saying, I need prayer because it's going to be a hard week. And you don't need to share why it is. And the person, if they ask, we have, we have to do our own work. And if we don't want to answer, just say, I'd rather not say right now. We have to have boundaries. But the invitation is important. And to receive it is important. I think I, t- I probably spend more energy working on receiving than I do anything else. Receiving the blessings in my life. Every night I go up while my kids are sleeping so I can see what stillness looks like on them. (laughs) And I cry because I feel unworthy. My first reaction isn't thankfulness. My first reaction is I'm unworthy. And then I'm thankful. That's, That's not good. Because I just, I have this trouble with receiving. If we want people to receive Christ Jesus, which is the greatest gift you could ever be given, we too have to learn how to receive him. And so part of the prayer, part of asking for prayer, is a way we receive and we allow other people to practice their giftings and other people to practice prayer. I mean, all of this is connected. And what's the worst that can happen? They say no. Maybe they don't pray for you. But what you did was faithful. You asked for help. And you put that person in a position 
to practice connecting with Jesus. See, when you invite someone to pray for you, you're modeling what it looks like to connect. It was really funny. I was, um, my, my son Emmett was asking for a big ask the other day. And I can't remember what it was because I was laughing so hard at his response. <laughs> but, and I, I've shared a lot about his responses lately because he's four years old and I'm astonished about how you can use big words and concepts and then use it in the proper context. I, I can't even do that. And he's doing that. So he was asking for a treat and something else and something else. And I said, no, buddy, not today. Okay, bud? Dad, really? Come on. Can I just? And he tries to. And I said, no, buddy. He goes, oh, I knew it was a big ask and a long shot, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he just, I, what? I knew it was a long shot and a big ask. We're, we're good. And I thought, it's funny, yeah. But I, I, I took some time. I went to go sit on my deck. I had some coffee, and I was thinking about that interaction. And I said, my four-year-old risked. He asked me something, knowing he could be rejected. Knowing I'd probably say no. And he asked me anyway. And then when the rejection happened, he took it in a stellar way. Well, I knew it was a big ask. (laughs) Okay. I thought, man, what if I could do that? What if I could be so secure in Christ that I could invite people in? And knowing that they would probably say yes, most people would probably say yes. Now, my son knew I'd probably say no, and he still asked. And so, knowing that I'm probably going to get a yes, but I'm so petrified. What if I was so secure in Christ, I could invite someone in, I could risk it, and if they said no, it doesn't diminish my value, my character, my worth, who I am, how Jesus sees me. What I do know is that because of my security in Christ and who I am and how he sees me, I asked for help when I needed it, and I was faithful to invite someone in the process. I want to be there. Don't you want to be there? Sometimes we feel like we have to have it all figured out to protect ourselves. So we don't ask. Not I need prayer. Now when I ask people if they need prayer, I'll hear a no. And sometimes if I ask if I can pray for you, like not even what you need prayer for, but can I just pray for you? Some will say no. And these are Christians. So it can be a very dicey thing, but prayer is a huge foundation and a huge value here at Bridgewood. Huge, because it's scriptural, and it's absolutely a non-negotiable. And our approach as a church historically has not always been consistent and stellar. I'm not talking about bridge witness. I'm just talking about the church at large. Prayer can be seen as a flippant thing, can be seen as a request line. It is sacred and beautiful because it's dialogue with the living God. And when you ask someone to share in your struggle, you are asking them to have a conversation with God on your behalf and with you. That is intimate, it is beautiful, and it is meant to be how the body of Christ flows and operates. Prayer is our lifeline. 
Prayer is how we get information and how we receive the things God has for us. We cannot, we cannot anymore, anymore let fear rob us and inviting someone into our struggle and the process. Now, it takes time. Okay? I'm not saying that, do it now. And if you don't do it now, shame on you. No! I stink at it. I'm trying to get better at it. I've gotten to a point where I can say the words, at least. Now I want my heart to reflect the words I'm saying. But we have to step into that. Paul's modeling it. I mean, this is a rock star for Jesus. It has nothing to do with how effective or how good he's been. He still invited people in to his struggle and admitted he was struggling. Is that not refreshing? But how quick we can put people on a, a, spe, a pedestal and make them an idol. And you hear someone like that say, would you, with all your flaws, I don't care where you are, would you enter my struggle with me and pray for me? I don't, I don't like admitting, one, that I have struggles, and two, what those are to people. My cynicism goes, it's none of their business. But it's all God's business. And he wants us to invite each other in it. How else do we learn to trust one another? And how else do we learn what body life is really like? Because it's not about all the ministries, the programs. It's not about that. You can execute any ministry you want. And you can do the deed. You can get the job done. But if it's not centered in community and prayer that's centered in Christ Jesus, what are we doing? Prayer fosters connection with him and with one another. And we have to be willing to get to a point to invite someone in. That's how we learn to walk with each other. Now, what do we do about it? Well, Hebrews 5.14 tells us that solid food, solid food is for the mature, who by constant practice or use train themselves to distinguish between good and evil, where God is, where he's not. Which means this, if we want to move beyond milky stuff, not Always revisiting, not saying revisiting is bad, but this is what the scripture says. Not always revisiting the repentance and not always revisiting that, but going on to the deeper things of Jesus. We have to practice it, which means this. If you've ever done a sport or if you've ever done a skill where you have to practice, you will fail. Sometimes when we hear about doing the things of Christ with Christ, we got to get it done perfectly. No, you will fail. How many of you, you feel you're good at something? Some of us are naturally gifted, but you have to hone it, right? You have to practice it. Has anyone done that perfectly? Without error? No. So when, we, when I ask you and I talk to you about practicing what we're talking about today, I'm not expecting you to do it perfectly. At all. But to begin this process, Lord, what do you want to say to me? Always start there. Lord, what do you want to say? 
Who are you, who are you sending me to to invite into my struggle? I mean, that's the starting place. And then we go on the messy road of walking that out. And we have to practice it, and we will fail, and it'll look messy, and there'll be times you want to quit. I remember in wrestling, I, I loved wrestling. I was obsessed with wrestling, and there were times I wanted to quit. I'd be thrown up after practice. I didn't have a good practice or this or that, and you want to quit. You want to throw in the towel because what? It's too hard, or you're tired of failing, or you're tired of not it, what you're doing not being what you would imagine in your head. But when you continue to persevere, as James tells us, James 1 tells us to persevere, that is also something that will help drive us into this. If we persevere through our practicing of inviting people into our struggle and praying for us, we will get there. We will get there and continue to grow. We need leaders that will humble themselves and ask for help, say that they're struggling. I cannot tell you how many pastors I meet with that are in isolation because they cannot admit they need help and they cannot ask for prayer. Christian leaders or mature Christians that are so used to giving advice and walking with other people, they haven't invited people to walk with them and they're drowning. Who wants to be a leader if it leads to isolation and feel like you cannot say, I need you to join me in my struggle and pray? We're dead in the water. Paul, in this closing, does something extremely important. And he models what it means to be someone who's mature in Christ and to say, I still struggle, I have a struggle, there's something coming my way, and I need you to join me in it. Here's how you can do it. When I say this to you, does it sound fun? No. But it's good. And it's hard. And we don't often like to talk about it because it's hard. And it's risky. And it costs a lot. And some people will fumble your stuff. They will. Even if you feel good that God has led the, you to that person, people still have a choice. And they may fumble your stuff. But there is a verse that has become more and more poignant in my life. If he is with me, what can man do against me? If my value is in him, what can any betrayal from another person take from me? Jesus was faithful all the way through the cross with every breath, even asking why questions in his last moments. Lord, why have you forsaken me? With all the betrayal and all the hurt, and he still stayed faithful. That is the God we are called to model. That doesn't mean hurts won't take us off track sometimes, but we have each other to walk alongside. But we have to be willing to get to a point where we can invite someone into our struggle and ask for prayer. So, does this make sense? Do we understand as best we can in a public forum like this why this is important? Okay. All the theology in the world and all the fancy sayings, are, they, they're nothing if we cannot practice, practice what they're all trying to lead us toward. And so 
I, my prayer is that we continue to be a safe place for one another to practice these things. And when we don't give it right, get it right the first time, second time, third time, whatever time, we have the grace to continue to encourage one another. So as we close this morning, we'll have prayer teams back there. And, and I don't want to put our feet to the coals too fast yet. It's coming. But you all have bulletins, yes? Did you already put in your prayer request? Do we already do that? Okay. So if you need prayer, we'll have prayer teams. If you, if you know of someone that's safe for you and you want them to pray for you, guess what I'm going to encourage you to do right now? Not like do it right now unless you want to, but I'm going to encourage you to invite them into your struggle. If you feel that's during the worship time, you are not going to disrupt it by going across the room and asking for prayer. We welcome that. Some go, well, that's, whoa. No, that's, that's body life. If the time is now. If it's later, then it's later. But we want to discern what God is saying to us now and act on it. So this is a place where if you feel that there's someone you want to invite into your life of prayer, go ahead. If you want to go to our prayer teams, go ahead. If you want to come to myself or Sharon or Mark, or Tom, or any, I'm sorry, Tom, I'm just, I saw you, and I'm just inviting you into it. <laughs> yeah. Then let's make it messy with prayer, whatever it looks like. We want God to have his way. Amen? So there's no expectation other than allow God to do what he's going to do. If everyone stays in their seat, they stay in their seat. If they get up, they get up. It doesn't matter. But Lord, what do you want to say, and how do you want me to respond? And we go from there. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you. I thank you that it's simple, but I also thank you that it's hard. Because in the hardness, in the challenge, we see your grace, we see your mercy, we see how you shape us and form us. And I pray in Jesus' name that if I've said anything that's not of you, that you would remove it right now from our hearts. That we would hear and receive only that which you have for us. And that you would give us the courage in Jesus' name to receive that which you have for us. I pray that we'd be aware of you and only you. And if we feel discomfort, we'd engage you in that discomfort. So we pray a blessing, Jesus, that you'd have your way. As Paul said, I, Paul, a slave to Christ, us, Bridgewood, slaves to Christ whatever you want to say and do in this space. In your character, in your spirit, we invite. In Jesus' name, amen.
To the tea. 